Welcome in, everybody, to the latest edition of the Lions Maven podcast, made possible by Sports Illustrated. Looking forward to some great conversation in in advance of the Lions-Eagles contest. Joining me right now on the line is a Philadelphia sports columnist for the Philadelphia Inquirer, wrote an interesting piece comparing uh, the situation of Carson Wentz to Matthew Stafford. Bob Ford joins us. Bob, good afternoon. How are you? Great. Good to be with you. Yes, I had a chance to read your article, and it made some really solid points in regards to the plight of Carson Wentz. Uh, tell our audience a little bit about your thesis in regards to maybe having a little bit of concern about how Carson's career could turn out. Well, or any career in, in the NFL when you're starting from scratch and you don't know what someone's going to become. And I just thought that uh, with the Lions coming in and uh, Matt Stafford having been an extremely successful quarterback for a long time, former top pick in the draft. And yet it really hasn't translated into overall team success for the, for the lions. And when you draft one of these franchise guys, it's, it's not as if teams believe that's the only piece they need to be successful, but it is one of those pieces around whom you build and upon whom you, you put some, responsibility to do to carry the team a little bit to sort of be that difference maker and uh i don't have anything against matt stafford he's had a great career and will continue to but it hasn't happened for the lions and so the the eagles and their fan base are certainly extremely excited about carson wentz if they can keep him on the field incredibly talented guy but just having that guy doesn't mean everything is going to work out and the trophies are just going to start piling up in the uh, in the team lobby, so that was sort of a little bit of the thesis, and it wasn't necessarily a concern or a cautionary tale. It's just these things work out differently in different places, and here's the Detroit Lions with a handy example of that. What's one thing the Eagles can do definitely to help the cause for Carson Wentz to stay healthy and potentially meet more expectations that would please the Philadelphia Eagle faithful? Well, a number of things, and they addressed. Uh, getting him better weapons this this offseason. They brought in Deshaun Jackson. They drafted a uh, guy in the second round, wide receiver, J.J. Orsega-Whiteside, who they're also expecting a lot of. Uh, they have a fairly solid offensive line, what they haven't had, at least in the first two games of the season, which often takes pressure off quarterbacks. is a good running game. And uh, they brought in uh, Jordan Howard from the Bears, who, they, who you guys are – pretty familiar with, who they thought would be a workhorse back. He hasn't really been that thus far. They also drafted a guy from Penn State, Miles Sanders, who had one great season at Penn State, was uh, sitting about, uh, behind Saquon Barkley before that. But, uh, you know, to me, if there's one thing, it would be having your uh, defense get you the ball in, in decent field position, having have a takeaway defense put the other team on its heels and then having a running game upon which you can rely going to take the pressure off your quarterback. He's not going to get hit as much. Wentz against Atlanta on Sunday night took some brutal hits, including one to the ribs. He came out of the game holding his ribs and all of Philadelphia holds its breath. Whenever Carson Wentz gets, gets hurt, gets uh, excuse me, gets hit because he does have that injury history. 
Now, definitely, I'm fascinated with the debate regarding these franchise quarterbacks because you do see now a handful of teams that have had success with a rookie quarterback by surrounding him with some great talent. And you see one now that's uh, potentially on a great rookie deal in Patrick Mahomes. So you look at it and you say, okay, now you have this handful of uh, high-priced quarterbacks, and now you have these younger quarterbacks that are coming in and having some success. Where do you weigh in on the notion of must-have this this notion of having a franchise quarterback if you're going to have success in the NFL? Uh, well, it's pretty well documented that franchise quarterbacks are, are the most important thing that you can have. And the other aspect to getting a guy really quick out of the box, like a Mahomes or, a, or Jared Goff or, you know, Wentz supposedly, is that the first four years you get them cheap. You get them before you really have to ransack the rest of your roster in order to keep them. We saw what happened in Baltimore with, when Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl, you know, quite young when he was still on his rookie contract and the team could afford him. They win the Super Bowl. They all of a sudden have to pay him. They had to dismantle a defense to do it. And, the, you know, the Ravens have not been anywhere near as good as they were before they had to go into that. So the Eagles are going to have to start paying Carson Wentz an awful lot. His, his new deal has actually started, but it doesn't get really expensive till next season. So it becomes much, much more difficult to put together a good roster around the top quarterback, you know, once you, once you have to pay him. So when you're talking about the young guys, like Mahomes is a great example who come along and are suddenly getting it done right out of the box. Part of that is because you're able to have a good, deep, well-paid roster around him. Yeah, now in looking ahead towards the Lions-Eagles matchup this Sunday, many people now are reading and understanding that, okay, the Eagles do definitely have some issues with some injuries, obviously forcing a practice to be canceled. How concerned are the Philadelphia fans regarding the injuries and how they could impact this contest on Sunday? (laughs) Well, Philadelphia fans wake up concerned every day, and it's yes. not—it's not—it's not just this week. Uh, yeah, you know, Deshaun Jackson goes down, Alshon Jeffrey goes down, uh, Dallas Goddard, the tight end, goes down, and that's a lot of weapons off of an offense that was pretty powerful. But and also, there's some question marks about whether or not Wentz is 100 percent sound. So yeah, there's there's a whole lot of concern. Uh, you know, the Lions. The Lions are the Lions, and they, you know, they start off with that tie at Arizona, and then they win narrowly against the Chargers. And <clears throat> they don't look overpowering from, from a distance, but without their weapons, the Eagles are going to be in jeopardy against, against every team. And uh, I know that the Lions hit hard, and they uh, have a stout defense. So that's, that's something that it should be a concern, and I think it is. In viewing the first two games of the Eagles, what has impressed you and what areas do they need to improve as the season progresses, the Eagles team? Uh, well, they can't run the ball. That, that's, been, that's been a big, big problem. And, again, that gets back to taking pressure off Wentz and the shortening games when you have a lead and all, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Deshaun Jackson in the opener against Washington was incredibly impressive did just what they wanted him to do to take the top off the offense. It was that uh, sort of aspect of their offense that they did not, that they did have in the Super Bowl season two years ago, did not have last season after Mike Wallace went down with an injury. And so that was really, really impressive. Uh, I would have to say that the pressure coming from the defensive line on the opposing quarterback and, 
has not, has not been very good. And they, it's kind of hard to figure out why it hasn't. Uh, Jim Schwartz, who you guys are familiar with there, does not like to blitz as a defensive coordinator. He likes to get his pressure with four guys. But against Atlanta uh, last Sunday night, he had to blitz a lot. And the final play of the game, uh, touchdown pass to Julio Jones, he got burned on it. Uh, I should, should say final scoring play of the game. But he got burned on that. So uh, they have a spotty, somewhat still recovering from injury, defensive backfield. And even if they were 100%, if the line's not getting pressure, then you know every defensive backfield can be exposed, especially against a guy with a strong arm and as good a reputation as, as Matt Stafford. Uh, they had problems with Matt Ryan last last weekend, as you would as you would expect. So those have been the, sort of the highs and the lows, and it's only two games, and these things have to settle themselves out over time. But that would be the snapshot right now. Yeah, here in Detroit, the talk has been about um, you know defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz. As you may know, no coach that has ever coached for the Detroit Lions has indeed gone on to coach somewhere else as an, a head coach in the league. Do you see potentially Jim Schwartz having the opportunity again, especially with the success he's had over there in Philadelphia with that defense, to maybe potentially be a, a head coach again in the National Football League? Uh, well, maybe potentially covers a lot of ground, so I'd have to say yes to that question. Uh, he's plenty smart enough, as mm-hmm. you guys know there, and he's certainly got a good resume, and he's done a decent job despite some uh, challenging circumstances here. Uh, that said, we're not seeing a lot of defensive guys hired to be head coaches in the NFL these days. It's really become a you know pass-happy, offensive-happy league, maybe more than ever. Uh, certainly more than ever, actually. And so, you know, I, I think a defensive coordinator starts a half a step behind when it comes to getting a head coaching job. Uh, I'd like to see, I'd like to see him get the opportunity. I like the guy personally. Uh, certainly a tough, tough situation for him with that first bill in Detroit. You know, anytime you're coming in and the team was 0 and 16 the last year, uh, that's not very good. Uh, got him to the playoffs the one year. So yeah, I would think he would he would be worth getting a shot from somebody. Whether he's going to get that or not, who knows? Enjoying the conversation with Bob Ford, Philadelphia sports in Philadelphia Inquirer sports columnist. All right, this Sunday, take me through how you see this matchup will shake out: the Lions and the Eagles. Sunday game three. <laughs> the Eagles last season and the first two games of this season. So that's a span of eighteen games have been scoreless in the first quarter 12 times, 12 times. Another two times they scored three points. So in 14 of 18 of their last games, they've had three points coming out of the first quarter. So not to be too uh, simplistic about it, but the start of this game is really going to have a lot to say with how it goes. If the Lions can hold them down like that, in the first quarter, then it's, it's going to go all the way to the end. It's not going to be decided quickly. If the Eagles are somehow able to get out and get a lead, uh, I think they would be a tough, tough go for the Lions in, in that respect. Uh, because they do, you know, uh, they can defend with a lead, as most teams can. But they haven't been able to get out there and get it. So, to me, I think the Eagles should probably win the game, maybe just because they're a little bit desperate coming off the Atlanta loss, and they're a team that has some playoff expectations, and they would love to pile up as many wins as possible for down-the-road postseason seeding and that sort of thing. 
So, and they also play extremely well at home. So just because it's a home game, I'm going to give them the edge. I would say that probably we're looking at a 24-20 game, somewhere in that range, 2017. Uh, if you if you made me bet, and I'm not a better, but if you made me bet, I would I would bet the Eagles by a narrow score, somewhere somewhat low like that. You can follow Bob Ford on Twitter at Bob Ford Sports. You can read his great columns at the Inquirer, uh, Inquirer.com, the Philadelphia Inquirer there, great sports newspaper. Bob, thank you so much for breaking it all down, giving us some insights regarding your column. Look forward to a great contest this Sunday. Thanks again. My pleasure. Have a great season. I've been looking forward to this conversation with Ben Raven from M Live Sports. Ben, how are you? I'm doing great, man. Doing great. You know, we're powering through that regular season pretty quickly, so things are flowing over here. No doubt. Before we start breaking down the news from practice, all the happenings surrounding Allen Park and the Detroit Lions, congrats on the gig. You're new now covering the Detroit Lions. Take us through a little bit how you got this opportunity and how you're liking it so far. It's great to see you around there at Allen Park. Oh, man, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, I started out at MLive about six years ago as a senior at Central Michigan at the sports desk for the Grand Rapids Press. And, uh, did some bouncing around on the news side for a couple of years, landed over in Detroit on the news team there, then shifted to trending. And this opportunity came up and I went all in for it. And shoot, here we are, man. Here we are three weeks into the regular season. Absolutely loving it. You know, it's just a completely different change of pace and unrelenting schedule, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, and that's the vibe I get because uh, when you're out there sometimes, definitely it's a professional environment. Sometimes a little bit of shenanigans, <laughs> as we say, will take place. But you can tell those that are really enjoying it. And uh, when you walk in a room, you can tell you're enjoying what you're doing. You're enjoying the, the challenge of covering a team. And especially now covering the Detroit Lions, that'll be always something that will present some interesting challenges. Um, so far, what have you learned today, Thursday, about the Detroit Lions in practice? Who's been in? Who's been out? What's been the uh, takeaways from today? Detroit is trending up in terms of health, and Philadelphia is dumping off a cliff. You know, that's pretty much what I got. It looked like Davis was out there again. You know, Decker was out there again. Hand is rocking the elbow brace, but we'll see what happens with him. But it kind of looks like the other guys are getting much closer and ready to play. Yeah, after two games, the Lions sit undefeated, one win, no losses, and a tie. And this week, you would assume, is a very big week, especially with what they have upcoming. What's been the attitude of the squad uh, from your impression being in the locker room this week? You know, it's funny. You know, they, they, they practice what they preach in terms of new week, new me, as Quandre Diggs likes to say, if you talk to him on Wednesdays. I mean, they are just focused. They're focused on the Eagles they weren't focused. I mean, they celebrate that Chargers win on Sunday and maybe a little bit on Monday, but, I mean, they are heads-on focused to the Eagles. They're not worrying about who's going to be there, who's going to not be there because, I mean, even with all the injuries, I mean, they still have Carson Wentz, they still have Zach Ertz, you know, and that's kind of been the talking point. I've heard Patricia bring up Ertz like 12 times this week, so just another opponent that they have a lot of respect for, for sure. Oh, no, look at you, Ben, uh, riling up the fan base. As we all recall last season, the, the challenges that the Lions defense had stopping tight ends, and they've seen Zach Ertz do some things against the Detroit Lions. So that definitely, Ben says, look out for that matchup. Now, in looking at the Lions after two games, what's been your assessment of them as a squad? I think that when you look at them and evaluate them, 
It's a real interesting team because you see the potential for growth in terms of the defense and the offense, but uh, after two games, there are some things definitely the Lions can improve upon. I mean, coming into this role, I mean, everything I read, everything I heard kind of through training camp in the preseason was that run first offense and then obviously that fully stocked defensive line. And honestly, it's been Matthew Stafford in the passing game and the secondary bringing the Lions to 1-0-1. And, you know, that's just like, it's not completely flipping the script, but I mean, they have not won games with the rushing attack, if you know what I'm saying. I mean, they just cut their backup running back. So obviously the rushing game has had some hiccups this year. And I mean, guys like Melvin and Darius Slay and Tracy Walker, they're having fantastic seasons. And while the defensive line, I mean, they're doing the job for the most part, it hasn't been the like standout group that we all kind of expected. But like you just said, we're two games into the season. There were a lot of injuries up on that D line through camp in the preseason. I think that group's kind of getting it together. I mean, you really need to get in communication, get a chemistry with those guys going. I mean, I was a former D lineman and it's all about that. So I think this is a week that we could really see that line come together, regardless of the elite offensive line in Philly. Yeah, and speaking to Bob Ford from the Philadelphia Inquirer, a lot of the fans over there, Eagle fans, are concerned regarding any time that Carson Wentz is hit. Do you see potentially the defensive line rebounding after the first couple games? Because that's been kind of that's been highlighted in that we haven't seen the consistent pressure from that vaunted defensive line. Yeah, I, I, I do. I do. I don't think it's it's going to be like a breakaway game for the D-line or anything like that just because the Philly offensive line is so good at what they do in pass and run blocking. But the more this defensive line in Detroit plays together, the better they're going to get. I mean, the closer these guys get to, like, picking up reps. I mean, Snacks was at a season average last week at 51% of snaps, and that's the biggest takeaway I had was he was on the field when they needed him to be on the field. Trey Flowers had a couple pressures and a couple good hits. You know, you're starting to see signs of life on that defensive line, and that's going to be a scary unit when Deshaun Hand gets back to full health because that is a deep, deep, deep line. Yeah, no doubt about it. Now, obviously, whenever there's roster moves that take place, people definitely pay attention, and you alluded to it earlier. C.J. Anderson was cut, and uh, the the circumstances surrounding it obviously have been reported in that he got cut on his day off. He was doing a talk there with the kids. But early on, you know, you saw how he was utilized, and he just wasn't that effective in terms of you know gaining yards and being an integral part of that offense. And then you saw what Ty Johnson was able to do. He was utilized. He showed some signs of life there. What are your takeaways from the fact that there's been a little bit of a shuffle now on that offense when uh, the Detroit Lions released C.J. Anderson? I, you know, there was, there was a lot of kind of not shock, but surprise that they cut him this early on, you know, only two games into the regular season, obviously went out and got him in the off season. But I think CJ was 0 for three on third and ones through two games. I mean, against the chargers, I think he had five carries for eight yards and his snaps were way down. Ty Johnson had five carries for 30 yards. I mean, going against a pretty solid chargers defense, that's a nice sample size right there. I just, I, I think it's just a, it was a big surprising move to see on a Tuesday, you know, and like the lions win on Sunday and then they're cutting their backup running back on Tuesday. Just didn't, just didn't see it coming. Obviously the circumstances around when he got cut, that's just unfortunate. There was no miscontent there on Detroit. You know, that's just Tuesday's the day that stuff like that's probably going to happen, you know, as they kind of hit reset button on week to week. But uh, yeah, I think Ty Johnson played his way into the backup role and CJ kind of played his way out of the backup role. Yeah, definitely. It's tough to see 
on a Tuesday. Now, speaking of roster improvements, obviously Bob Quinn's number one job, the general manager, is to put a roster you know, out there that potentially has a strong chance to win. Now, people are speculating. They're looking around, <laughs> and they see a prize cornerback that's, uh, that's disgruntled over there in Jacksonville. The talk of the Internet, the talk of the Lions fans is... Should they go out there and pursue Jalen Ramsey? Should they bring potentially that huge personality into that locker room? There have been arguments on both sides. You know, those that say, yes, he's talented. Pair him with Darius Slay. Others will report and say, well, if you bring him in, there's a potential then that Darius Slay might be upset because the signs will be on the wall that uh, his income might potentially be (laughs) capped. So it's a fascinating debate. I stand on the side of, look, if you have talent, you can help the cause. Come hell or high water, figure it out, make the make the magic work, and bring Jalen Ramsey to the Lions. That's where I stand. That's where you stand. I mean, I'm going to give the same answer I gave when I got asked about uh, Fitzpatrick last week. I mean, every single team in the NFL should be interested, should be calling. I mean, these guys, like you said, these guys are young, elite players at their position. I mean, that's exactly what Jalen Ramsey is, you know. I haven't got to talk to Slay a lot, but I, I, I just don't. I, my mind doesn't click with the mentality that he would be pissed off at his team bringing in another elite player. I don't know. that Bringing in elite players means you're trying to win games, and that's what all these guys want to do. I mean, Slay might leave his contract talks for the offseason, but I, I, I don't know. I don't buy too much into that. You know, I think he would welcome a guy like Jalen Ramsey with open arms, you know? I mean, shoot. Rashawn yeah. Mel- yeah. Melvin's leading the league in pass breakups right now. I mean, that could be a pretty solid trio and four guys once they get uh, Justin Coleman kind of more in the mix there, you know? I mean, he showed some good things last weekend, but, hey, like I said, every team in the NFL should be calling about Jalen Ramsey to see what the price is. No doubt about it, especially with your coach being a defensive wizard. You know, you got to bring him and let him coach the most talented individuals. I think it gives you not only a shot in the arm, I think it gives you a legitimate chance to win the division, gives you a chance to win some playoff games, and you set forth a defense for the future that whenever, you know, a a team is game planning, you're going to have to game plan for Darius Slay. And Jalen Ramsey? Come on! I just think it would be definitely be a shot in the arm if it were to happen. But we'll see because uh, the talks are that if, if a trade's going to happen, it, it might happen by Friday. So we'll see how the saga plays out uh, regard, <laughs> regarding Jalen Ramsey. Definitely one to watch there. How are you seeing this Eagles game uh, shake out with the Detroit Lions? What are the keys for the Lions to leave Philadelphia with two wins? I, I've got the Lions winning this weekend, and that's different than my season predictions that I did three or four weeks ago, but I didn't expect 13 players to be on the injury report in Philadelphia. The simple fact that Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson and their backup tight end, Gallus Goder, are expected to be out on Sunday, Philly has not run the ball very well at all this year with Miles Sanders or Jordan Howard. I mean, I'm sorry, but Detroit's got a chance to clamp down on these. I believe my prediction was Lions 27, Eagles 17, which just feels ridiculous to put the Lions over by double digits on the road in Philly. But, I mean, these injuries are real. These aren't just, like, depth injuries. These are, like, their number one wide receiver, their number one depth uh, deep threat. Hey, my bad about that. No, it's okay. Go, <laughs> go ahead. Just uh, resume. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're missing their t- their number one wide receiver. They're missing their top deep threat. Those are huge holes for a team that 
I believe Jordan Howard had eight carries for 18 yards last week. The, the rushing attack in Philly just hasn't been there. And the defensive line in Detroit is not going to give up a ton of rushing yards. So if Detroit can force Philly to really throw this game, like to throw, throw, and throw in that second half, I don't see guys making plays on Melvin and Slay the way they're playing right now, and not to mention Diggs and Walker, who have just been fantastic on the back end of the secondary in two games. Enjoying the conversation with Ben Raven from MLive. Follow him on Twitter, at Benjamin S. Raven. Read his work. Great quality reads over there at MLive. Before I get you out of here, I want you to take the audience through what it was like for you to cover that home opener at Ford Field because you had told me in the locker room that it was a long day. You were pumping out content. Take us through what it's like when you arrive at Ford Field to the time that you leave, man. It's, 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 a, great, it's a great story to tell. <laughs> I got there, you know, you get there at 9.45. I got there at about 9.45, you know, that, that first home game jitters, make sure I'm there early, all set up when the injury report comes in and stuff like that. And then in the game, I'm doing our live updates at MLive.com slash Lions, and I'm just like, highlights, drive summaries, and let's go. And then you look up, and the game's over. You sprint down to the locker room and wait. You're talking to Slay right after the interception. You go up, crank out like three stories. And I, I swear, I swear, I look up. I'm expecting to, like, check the Bears score at halftime. Pinero's knocking down the game-winning field goal, and I see that it's like 8 o'clock. And it's like, oh, all right, the day's gone. I guess the day's gone. It's just wild. I mean, you're there 12 hours. It's nonstop go, go, go. And uh, I'm doing I'm doing what I love. You know, I got a job where it feels like I'm supposed to be at, you know, and I'm, I'm not complaining about the long hours or anything like that at all. I never wanted to come off like that because I really do love this job this early on. You know, it's exactly what I wanted. Yeah, exactly. And it comes across, Ben. You're doing a great job. Tell us uh, what's the best part about covering a sports team in Detroit. What's the best part? Just I, I love the moments in the locker room. Like being in the locker room and talking to Darius Slay like 20 minutes after he just won the game with an insane interception on Keenan Allen. That's the, that's the stuff I grew up wanting to do. I mean, in any city, the fact that I'm a lifelong Michigander that's been in Detroit for three or four years now, I mean, it's, it's really cool to be on the inside on that. And it's, it's one of those things that makes the hair stand up on my arm. You know, it's, I've, I've been fighting for this, fighting for this opportunity for a while. And, you know, through the camp and the preseason, you're kind of realizing that you nailed it. And here we are, week three of the regular season and starting to hit that groove, starting to hit that groove. Just loving it, man. Just loving it. I love being a part of it. No doubt, Ben. Also, now you can add, you know you nailed it when you appeared on the Lions Maven podcast, baby. Uh, thank <laughs> That's you so, right. Thank you so much <laughs> for the time. Enjoyed the conversation. Always good to talk to those that are passionate about sports, passionate about covering sports. Ben, thank you so much. We will definitely do this again. Yeah, we'll have to talk some wrestling next time, John. No doubt about it. See you probably tomorrow.